Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Good to see you. Thanks for being here today. Welcome to Radiant Church. I'm glad you're here today. We're in this series um, called Heroes. Everybody say Heroes. Heroes. And, And really, here's the big idea. It's coming out of the text in Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, so because of Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, we get a list of people in the Old Testament who walked by faith. And the interesting thing is, is that we could call it the Hall of Faith. It's these champions, these heroes, these people that walked with God, but all of them were imperfect. None of them walked with perfection. And so it's God using broken people that walked by big faith. And so we're taking a few weeks here to look at their lives. And so we wanna grow by just looking at their example. And so we took out of Genesis, Abraham, we talked about Abraham, and then we talked last week about Joseph, and today we're going to talk about, I'll have to wait until you later. Right, so um, I'll tell you that in a minute. All right, so let's read Hebrews 12. Got any anticipation? No, you don't? Okay, that's all right. That's all right. I'm working on it. All right. Let's read the text, and then I'll tell you before I pray. I will tell you. All right, it says this. So therefore, so in context to Hebrews 11, hall of faith, all these people that walked by faith, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Message says it this way. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. So you're picturing these heroes of the faith that are cheering you on this great cloud of witnesses that have gone before you, these people that have walked by faith, shouting you down as you live as a disciple of Jesus in 2019. It means we'd better go on with it, strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. And so this whole series is this idea that you're on a race. This context here is you're running a race. God has for you a race that's gonna require perseverance. It is the race of faith. There is a race that you're on that's different than other people. My race looks different than your race. Your race looks different than your spouse's race, looks different than your friend's race, looks different than your kid's race. All of us are on a race. Our tendency is to fix our eyes on others. Our tendency is to fix our eyes on ourselves. And here it says, but you fix your eyes on Jesus. And so we're talking about in this race that you're on, how to walk by faith, how to persevere in your context in 2019 in Kansas City, being faithful. And so we talked about Abraham. We talked a little bit about Joseph. And today we're going to talk about Moses, all right? And so Charleston Heston voice, Moses. Let's pray together and we'll dive in. Father, we love you today. We ask that your word would come alive in our hearts We pray, Lord, that we would walk as a people of faith in our generation. God, we confess it is so easy for us to live in fear, 
It is easy for us to fix our eyes on our circumstance, on our friends, on ourselves, on our problems, on our issues. And we ask that you would work supernaturally in our lives today. Help us to be a people of faith. Help us to look at even the story of Moses and walk by faith. We love you and we honor you. And Radiant Church said, amen. Moses takes up a lot of scripture. We find the most about Jesus. He's number one. Number two is David. Number three is Moses. So there's a lot of content that we can look into. I wanna look at his early life. And if Joseph last week was a picture of someone who had nothing, but then God gave everything. If Joseph is a picture of starting off betrayed, thrown into a pit, staying in a place of faith and ending up not in the pit, but in the palace. Moses is a picture of starting off in the palace, but ending up in the wilderness. And it's interesting because you're on a journey, they were on journeys and they had to fix their eyes and walk the the walk of faith and their race looked different. Your race doesn't look like others. The challenge is, is to walk by faith, no matter the race, the journey that you're on. And when I look at Moses, I see this man who, when you think about all that he had, actually in Hebrews 11, the writer gives us a little synopsis. And I wanna jump in. We're gonna look at Exodus 3 today. We're gonna look at Exodus 2 today. We're gonna look at Exodus 14 today. But just before the little synopsis of Moses in Hebrews 11 gives us insight into Moses' journey. I want you to see it. Verse 24, it says this, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. And here it is, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. And by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was, who is invisible. So here is his journey. You've got Moses and 400 years after Joseph. So if you remember where we left off last week, Joseph rises to power in the palace second in command under Pharaoh. And because of his faithfulness and his faith in God, he ends up being the conduit that God uses to rescue the Israelite people. 400 years go by and now the Israelites are many. And Pharaoh in fear of the possibility of an uprising from the Israelites decides to get rid of the baby boys. And so he has all the baby boys thrown into the Nile River. Moses' parents, in a step of faith, put their baby not in the river, but they put him in a basket. And this story of Moses is one of God supernaturally rescuing baby Moses. And Moses has this supernatural story in his childhood because little sister runs with him down the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter rescues baby Moses, pulls him up out of the water Sister says, hey, I can have an Israelite lady take care of him. She says, great, I'll pay Moses's actual mom to take care of Moses. And so Moses grows up 
with really two identities. On one hand, you've got Moses and he's an Israelite. And this is who he is biologically. He's got God supernaturally rescuing him. And so he has, if you will, one foot in that identity. But Moses grows up as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so he's got this other foot as an identity of the grandson of Pharaoh. So as he grows up, there's a moment where he goes and he leaves his biological parents' house and he moves into the palace. And depending on what age that actually was, there's this knowledge, there's this reality. I am an Israelite. There's a moment where that becomes true. There's a moment where he real. it's always been true. There's a moment where he recognizes where, that that's a reality. But there's this other identity that he has that is, I'm the, I'm the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm the grandson of Pharaoh. And in that identity, there is no worldly pleasure that he can't have. When you think about that, I mean, there is no food. I mean, he's got soldiers, he's got protection, he's got security, he's got the meals, he's got, there's the slaves, there's the, all the comforts of Egypt. He is growing up in, in, in the palace, in Pharaoh's house, he has them available. And so writer of Hebrews talks about Moses here refusing to be known, not taking on the identity of an Egyptian, not taking on the identity of, I've got all of that available. And instead taking on the identity of, I am an Israelite. I was thinking about our reality in the present tense, because in this moment here, when we read in Hebrews, this kind of, we can kind of skip through it, kind of easily just go, yeah, he refused to be known, but think about the magnitude of that choice. This was, instead of, we live in a culture that says, chase after wealth, comfort, fame, prestige, notoriety. Chase after those things. Moses didn't give up the chase. They were his to have. There was no, no thing that he couldn't have if he wanted it. It was available. He's Pharaoh's grandson. He's growing up in the palace. And you can imagine that reality. I'm, I'm Pharaoh's grandson, but I'm called by God. And the dualistic dynamic of which identity am I gonna choose? Writer of Hebrews here gives this faith accolade to Moses saying, I'm gonna turn my back on Egyptian pleasures. I'm gonna turn my back on all that could be mine with feasts, servants, and the pleasures of this world. And he uses this language. He uses that the fleeting pleasures of Egypt, the fleeting pleasures of sin were not comparable to the reward of his identity in God. Here's the reality. We are constantly making the choice. Will I walk in the chase of the fleeting pleasures of sin? 
Or will I make a choice to live in the eternal pleasures of God? And I think Moses, if he were to step out of the stands and take a lap with us, I think it would be about choices. Hebrews 11, Moses chose. You've got choices to make. And there's not really one big moment where we see Moses looking at Pharaoh saying, I choose not to walk in the identity of an Egyptian. I choose not to walk in the identity of your grandson. I'm gonna turn my back. What we see is by age 40, he's starting to want to step into his identity as a deliverer. And so I think that you and I were making choices all the time that say, I'm gonna take a step, a step into eternal reward, eternal pleasure, and not take on the pursuit, the chase. And that's the thing. For Moses, our culture is constantly saying, chase after fame, chase after wealth, chase after recognition, chase after lust, chase after greed. Those things Moses just could have. He didn't give up chase, he gave up having it. And you and I have right in front of us a journey of faith where it's day after day, choices. I'm gonna turn my back on the fleeting pleasures of sin so that I can say yes to the eternal pleasures of God. Psalm 16, 11, it says that there are at God's right hand pleasures forevermore. And so our journey is a journey of faith turning our back on sin. And when you look at Moses, I look at his life and I think on the lap, there, there's so much content of his life. You could, we could go, there, there could be 10 lessons. I wanna just choose three today. I think the first one is I think Moses, I think he talked to us about encountering God. I think he talked to us about choosing to encounter God because think about his journey. Here he's got everything in Egypt. He turns his back and at age 40, there's a story in Exodus 2 where he goes out, he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And this is an interesting thing because in essence, he takes on his deliverance calling, his desire to help deliver the people of God. Instead of doing it God's way, he does it his way. He kills this Egyptian, looks back and forth, doesn't see anyone, buries him in the sand. All of a sudden, next day, Israelite says to him, you're gonna kill me too? Moses realizes he's been seen and he flees to the wilderness. And after 40 years, hanging out, 40 years later, there's this encounter. And I wanna talk about that encounter. It comes in Exodus three. And we know it, it's this famous moment where God talks to Moses. There's a burning bush, but the bush doesn't burn up and God speaks to Moses. Here's the thing that I love about this encounter. Moses is aimless. Moses is not making a difference. Moses is hanging out in the wilderness and God comes and God begins this conversation with Moses. And out of the conversation, Moses 
begins to get identity, vision, revelation. And what I'm convinced of is that the more encounters that you have, relational connects with God, the more encounter conversation that you can have, the greater you'll step into what God has for you. And that each one of us, we tend sometimes because other people put labels, ideas on encounter. Sometimes it's easy for people to become cynical about encounter and they'll kind of mock it a little bit, but don't let other people talking about their encounter cause you to become a cynic. If we were to talk to Moses, Moses becomes the one who can't get enough of talking to God. Later on in Exodus 33, he began to talk to God. It says that he began to talk to God like a friend of God. And the text says that he would talk to God face to face like a man talks to his friend. And Moses is in this place where he goes, I can't get enough of God. He gets a friendship, he gets identity. And in this conversation, this relationship, this encounter with God, his whole life goes from aimless to purpose. So what happens if instead of becoming cynical about other people's ideas or all the different reasons why people might get critical, you just grow in your spiritual hunger that says, I desire to get as much of encountering God as possible. That could look like spending time alone with God each day. That could look like getting into a small group where you pray together. That could be joining us on Wednesday nights where we cry out to God. That could be you stepping on an airplane and going to the darkest places in the world and prayer walking cities where Jesus desperately wants to reach people that are far from God. I mean, it could look like a lot of things, but our tendency is to find a reason to slow down on encounter, to slow down on, well, I wanna invite you to, I think Moses would look at us and go, no, 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 no. He'd put your arm around you. He'd say, run a little bit faster. Think with me here, pay attention. One of the best things you could ever experience is to have encounter with God. You're made for relationship. That's why you exist. Don't give up on encounter. Don't give up on just taking a few steps back and not being a person that encounters God. No, no, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Be a person that knows and encounters God. And one of the things I see is that sometimes people, because people are weird, people do weird things. So people will start talking about the methodology that they had the encounter and people are like, well, you're weird. Therefore, I'm not gonna embrace that method, yeah. right? But just, just welcome everybody. People are weird, all right? People will, people will get excited about their methodology and try to put language to their encounter. Embrace the gold, Embrace, I wanna be a person of encounter. And so, like I think of, I think of people that, well, I don't know about the prayer meeting. I don't know about spending time with God. I don't know if I could do that every day. No, 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 that's what you're made for. And I think Moses, friend of God, one who in the wilderness has day after day of holy dependence on God, climbs the mountain in order to talk to God, comes back. His favorite place is communing, connecting with God. One of the best places you could ever get is to be, I'm a person of encounter. I'm not gonna allow any other reason. Nothing's gonna stop me. There's a holy hunger inside of me. I wanna know God. I wanna be close to God. I can have a friendship with God. It's the greatest invitation. And I think Moses would smile and go, whoo, yeah. I loved, I mean, toe to toe with Pharaoh. I loved miracles, but let me tell you, the fuel of my heart. Those moments where I talked with God. And I, I feel like if we could all unite around, let's be, uh, let's be people of encounter in our families, in our marriages, in our own experience, our own time alone with God. 
I want to be a person. I'm, I want to invite you to get that resolution. I think that that's in Moses. Let's get it in us. Now, I think we tend to, to, to so criticize methodology that we push aside encounter. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, when Renata and I have had four kids, we had four kids under the age of five. And um, we had, before we had justice, our first three came extremely fast and Renata and I differed on philosophically what to do with bathing them. And so Renata had an agenda to bathe our children every day. She thought children need to be bathed daily. I, on the other hand, thought that monthly bath would be sufficient. <laughs> and so I was saying monthly, but deep down, I was like, if I could just get it to weekly, that'd be all right. Meet me in the middle. Renata won that argument. And so every day, every, every single night, we would bathe our kids. And so we put them in the bath. And the main goal when I go to, to bathe these little kids is I had one agenda. My agenda was clean. Just get them clean and get them to bed, right? But when you got three little babies, they all had some different agendas, right? Dawson, the oldest. Dawson, uh, he loves to play. He's fun. He's kind of a, he's a happy kid. And he wanted to turn the bath into playtime. Fill it up with toys and let's play. Olivia, a little bit different. Olivia, I don't know why. Renata's probably embarrassed that I'm going to tell you this. Olivia had this desire to drink her bath water as a baby. And so every bath, we were trying to get her head out of the water because she just, <sighs> and she'd drink her own bath water. So her agenda was, hey, eat dinner, drink up in the bath, baby, before I go to bed. Addie, she's a singer, she's a socialite, and she would want to laugh and sing. Her purpose was social. So I had three babies all in the bath. They all had an agenda. Social, drink the bath water, and let's play. My agenda, clean, right? Here's the reality. I'm saying go to the place where clean happens, but there's a whole lot of dynamics that take place other than just clean. And I think for us, we tend to say, I don't know about the prayer meetings. I don't know about small groups. I don't know about Sunday morning. I don't know. I don't know if I want to sing so many songs. I raised my hallelujah last week. Can we get a different, shut up and just, are you a person that encounters God? Go to the place where encounter happens and don't let the kid who's drinking water next to you keep you from your place of getting clean. You've got an agenda. I just sang these four songs, but did I worship? I've just opened up the word, but is the word of God getting inside of me? I just was in a small group, but am I growing as a disciple? I, I, it, are you in a place where you are putting yourself and I'm gonna encounter I think Moses would say, don't back down on encounter. Do friendship. Be a person that walks in relationship with God. You've, this is your privilege in your 80, 90 years on planet earth. Don't get so caught up in all the other things that you slow down and encounter. And I wanna invite you as we learn from the heroes of the faith. I think first lap, I think there's Moses saying, come on, man, you, you can go to the mountain too. Don't be content with just Moses going to the mountain. You go to the mountain. You've got the privilege, the invitation to draw near to the heart of God. Go to the mountain. Now, I think the second one that he would say is, all right, 
choose to encounter God or choose to know God. But I think he'd look at you and he'd say, choose to persevere. Choose to not quit. It's not too late for you. Because it's interesting because Exodus 3 comes 40 years after he killed the Egyptian. Imagine the shame and pain of after knowing that you had this supernatural rescue as a child. And surely you had a mom saying, hey, you've got a destiny. Hey, you've got a calling on your life. Imagine for Moses stepped in and he tried to accomplish it on his own, doing it his way. Actually, Stephen in Acts 7, he tells us that was Moses' motive. Look at this. Uh, he says it in, in um, Acts chapter seven, it says, verse 24, he saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Now look at this. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Intriguing story. So Moses goes and kills this Egyptian. Exodus 2, let me just read it for you so you know it. Exodus 2, 11, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So story, I'm a deliverer. I think, I, I mean, different scholars are different on this. I think Moses had parents that told him of his destiny. I just think that the way that he went and he lived with his parents and Moses had this reality of knowing that he was a deliverer, I think the seed was told to him by his mom. That's what I believe. I think that he's got this, un, or this recognition that I've got a calling on in my life. That's why at age 40, he steps out and he tries to accomplish his destiny on his own. He kills the Egyptian. He thinks the people will rally behind him. They don't and he flees. So imagine what it's like 40 years later when God shows up in a conversation, in an encounter, Moses, I got a calling for you. I got a destiny for you. Hey, supernatural rescue as a child. I'm not done with you yet. I do not think that Moses looked back in Exodus 3 and said, who am I? Send someone else. I don't think he said that out of this kind of like authentic humility. I think Moses had shame. He'd killed the Egyptian. He'd walked in his own attempt to fulfill God's calling. He thought, he, was, he thought that the people would rise up behind him and they didn't. Surely you're done with me, God. Surely I can't accomplish the destiny you have on my life. Surely this is too hard. Surely... I can't accomplish the goals God has for my life. Here's what I love. When Exodus 3, conversation, God and Moses, send someone else. Here's what God says to Moses. Hey, Moses, I will be with you. He doesn't look at him and say, hey, I gave you the gifts and skills. Pull yourselves up by the bootstraps. You're the man. Come on, you can do this. What's up, baby? Come on, Mo. He was no. He doesn't talk about Moses' capacity. He says, I will be with you. And every time that God calls you to something extravagant, he calls you beyond your own human capacity. He calls you to something that on your own, you could not do. 
He calls you to something that on your, based upon your own strength, it is impossible. And I think that Moses, tempted to just check out, tempted to just kind of give up, I think God looks at him and says, I'm gonna be with you. Don't give up. And I believe the fresh encounter with God of Exodus 3 revives the broken man of Exodus 2. He goes, oh, that's who I am. That's why I'm so eager for you to spend time alone with God each day. That's why I'm so eager for you to fill up your cars with worship music. That's why I'm so eager for you to get in a place where you're going to prayer meetings, connecting with people, while you've got some comrades in a small group where you're talking to you, because I believe when you have encounter after encounter, it's these moments where God's going, I will be with you. I am with you. And on your own, you can't accomplish the destiny that God has over your life. But if you have the knowledge God is with me, then whew, you can march in to the most powerful man in Egypt and say, let my people go 10 times. Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. And Moses isn't done. It's easy when you failed to check out, God, send somebody else. Send Aaron, send someone else. Just not me. I'm too weak. I'm too messed up. And God's going, that's right. You are weak. You are messed up. Mm, I will be with you. That I will be with you of Exodus 3 sounds a lot to me like the Matthew 28, Jesus saying, and surely I am with you to the end of time in the Great Commission. It's the knowledge it is not my own strength. It is not my own abilities. It is not my own skill set. It is not my resume. It's you are with me. I can, I can run this way, race. I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna give up. The heroes of the faith that we read about in the Old Testament were not perfect, but they had these encounters with God and they refused to quit, to give up. And I think running that lap with Moses, he'd say, be a woman of encountering God. Be a man that refuses to quit. Don't give up. How do I not give up? Get with God again. Get that fresh encounter again. Don't stop. Yeah, but life didn't turn out like I thought. I thought I'd kill the Egyptian and I'd lead a revolution. And God goes, tell you what, how about you let me be God, you be small kid. You let me be omnipotent. You let me be, I, got, I, I, I can use you. I can, I can, use, I, got, I got a bigger agenda than you can, can, you can even imagine. Of course, there's this amazing story where he walks back in and challenges the Pharaoh. And I think the third thing he'd say is he'd go, okay, encounter God, don't quit. And I think he'd look at us and the story of Moses is that Moses time and time again chose to walk by faith. And I think he'd look at you and give you, all right, choice, encounter. I choose to encounter. I choose to persevere. I choose not to quit. And I choose faith over safety. I abandon safe and choose faith. This is the idol of our generation. Ooh, I love safe. Ooh, just give me, you know how safe it was for Moses in the palace? Imagine every meal, every comfort. And I'm gonna identify with the slaves because my identity is actually God has 
calling for me with those slaves and those slaves have nothing. But I'd rather have God as a slave than have the fleeting pleasures of Egypt that are over in 70 years, 100 years. And Moses, his life is, I'm gonna leave Egypt. I'm gonna turn my back. I'm gonna identify not as son of Pharaoh's daughter. I am an Israelite. I am a man of God. He chooses to leave comfort. He chooses to leave safety. And then I think in this moment where God's talking to him at the burning bush, if you've been in the wilderness for 40 years, he's married Zipporah, start a family. And then God says, go confront the most powerful man on the planet that hates you and wants you dead. Uh, I don't think that like causes his like flesh to come alive. That's like, really? Yeah, oh, come on. And Moses chooses calling over comfort again. All right, I'll go where you lead. I'll go after. And I'm telling you in this culture right here, this is us. There are some of us that Joseph's story is, all right, one day we reach the palace, but living in 21st century America, our context, I think this is a harder message to swallow because Moses is the man that left the palace believing in the reward of eternity and the pleasures of eternity and he dies in the wilderness. There's no palace on earth that surpassed Egypt. He actually left it. And I wanna tell you, as you follow Jesus, there are some of you that it's like, I'm gonna follow my destiny and my calling and boom, you show up and it's woo, you're the quarterback for the, for the NFL team and you're just declaring and you live in a great house and everybody's like, oh man, look at the calling on you. Celebrity or wealth, and there are others. You walked away from the American dream for the Jesus dream. And you're still in the wilderness and you're still in your whole life. And you may not have the palace, but you're communing with God in the wilderness. You're seeing God work miraculously. You're stepping into what God's got for you. And the, your reward is in eternity. And there is greater reward forevermore in the pleasures of God than the temporary fleeting pleasures of sin that you left behind. And I wanna just encourage you, if Moses is your story, don't quit. Keep encountering God and know that he's with you even though things don't feel safe right now. And I'll just conclude with this. Exodus chapter 14 it's this moment where it is the opposite of safe. Moses, in full obedience to God, doing what God's called him to do, and he stares death in the face. Look at this, Exodus chapter 14 says this, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Whew. 
Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Famous Exodus 14 conversation. This came alive to me while watching episode two of the Bible on Netflix with my children because this dude walks up to Moses and Moses has been walking by faith. Moses led them out of the wilderness. And I just watched this punk dude walk up out of the crowd and he goes, Moses, would you bring us out here to die? Would have been better if we had stayed slaves in Egypt. And everything inside of this guy watching the movie was ready to drop kick that guy idiot. I hate leadership. People are dumb. You know, like what a punk. Do you know what Moses did for you? You know. And here's the epic response of Moses where he looks back and he goes, watch this. God is with us. Red Sea in front of us. Pharaoh and all of his chariots behind us. Surely all the crowds are thinking, come on, Moses. And here's the hero of the faith. And he doesn't talk about anything other than God is our deliverer. You need only to be still. Don't worry, God is with us. It's the same thing as Exodus three. Moses, I wanna use you. I know you're a murderer. I know it feels like your life doesn't have purpose, but I'll be with you. Somehow the man who just says yes to what's in front of him turns out with a resume of going toe to toe with Pharaoh and you get to Exodus 14 and he's fearless. And in the movie, he turns back when the water goes up and he goes, God is with us. I started crying more than when I watched Lion King. I was like, yeah. I'm just asking God that we'd have some faith. God, I want to be a man of encounter. I don't want to quit. When the story doesn't go my way, when when the way that I thought it was going to turn out, it doesn't turn out. I want to go your way. I don't want to live in the comfort zone. bow your head, close your eyes. Jesus, we love you today. God, we want to be people that walk as present tense disciples of Jesus. God, we are not content. We are not desiring for just life as usual, easy. We want to be a people of encounter. We want to be friends of God. We want to be people, Lord, that stick with it. They don't quit. We find detours that were way out far than doing something different than we ever thought. I get close to you. Hear your voice again. I'm with you. Don't quit. God, I ask. I ask for every person that you right now are even inviting to step out of their comfort zone. 
give, to pray, to lead, to serve, to disciple, to give, to proclaim or to sing, like to invite you to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed and you'd like to give your life to Jesus it's the best choice that you could ever make we are so excited about who Jesus is he has changed us he's our story he's why we live the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever that's you that whosoever that could be today that you go I'm that whosoever I'm going to call upon the Lord I'm going to believe shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We want to give you the opportunity to call upon the Lord, to believe, to ask God, God, change me. I want to turn my life around. I want to give you my life. If you today want to make a choice to follow Jesus, just begin by saying this to God. Father, I come to you in the powerful name of Jesus. I give you my life. I don't want to go my way. I want to go yours. Do a fresh work inside of me. Be the Lord of my life. Heal me and change me. I will follow you. Save me. I want to be with you forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.